Welcome to the Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to making life more enjoyable for young families by hitting on the financial topics that tend to weigh on us, stress us out, and distract our focus from simply enjoying life. Hello and welcome to another live event previously held on Fishbowl. Today's episode from the live event is entitled Holiday Cheer and Financial New Year. So when you listen today, you're going to hear a lot of really interesting ideas about how to approach mindset-wise when it comes to the holidays, Uh, some financial tips, of course, on what to look for, and really some goal setting that you can get into as well to make the most of 2022 to come. So sit back, enjoy, and I think you'll get a lot out of this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the live this evening. Um, do you know, I feel like now I can start wishing people Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. I've been <laughs> warned by my, my colleagues, my peers and my family. I'm not to do that for at least two more weeks. Um, but I'm going to do it here. So Happy Holidays, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually saw my first set of Christmas decorations today as well. They had some twinkly lights in the window, so uh, that was nice. Uh, we will be talking all things holiday cheer and financial new, financial new year. Um, so if you guys are anything like me, you'll want to know how to make good financial decisions over the holidays, how to avoid the Black Friday chaos, and how to go into 2022 strong. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to jump up on the stage and you can ask that to Joe directly. We won't be able to answer any specific questions relating to your personal finances, but I'm sure if you reach out directly, Joe would be more than happy to help. Great, we've got lots coming in this evening. Hi, Jan. Hi, Cheryl. Nice to have you guys with us. Hey, Ruth. So our finance uh, lives are always really popular. I think particularly this time of year, we all want to know how to make better decisions with our money. Hey, Carmen, welcome. Welcome, Rebecca. So we'll just give it a couple more minutes and then we'll get started. We've got some great content lined up for you guys today. And like I said, as ever, it's always a highly requested topic. People in all ages and all stages of their financial journeys want to know how to make better financial decisions. So we'll be discussing how to avoid the Black Friday chaos and how to make better financial decisions going into 2022. And we were just saying, I can't believe it's almost 2022 already. I feel like the year has flown by. Um, Oh, we have a speaker. Mystery, go ahead. Hello, Mystery. Okay, not to worry. We can come back to you if you have a question. If you guys um, don't want to come up on stage, feel free to drop me a direct message and I can read your question out for you. Um, Okay, great. So thank you everyone for joining us this evening for the Holiday Cheer and Financial New Year Live. My name is Jade Rose and I run the Financial Advisor Fishbowl all the way from the other side of the pond. And we are very lucky to have Joseph Oakley with us this evening. Now, Joe is a financial advisor, CFP holder, podcaster, and father of two children. So we'll be opening up the floor, as I said, to questions in the second half of this live, which will run for about 60 minutes. Uh, And if you'd like to ask a question, you can use the button in the bottom right-hand corner where you'll join the queue. So Joe, thank you so much for joining this evening. And before we jump into uh, the conversation, could you just tell us a bit about yourself? 
Yeah, absolutely, Jade. And, and thank you so much for being a part of the event today. Um, like you said, my name is Joe Oakley and I'm a CFP or Certified Financial Planner. Uh, you probably are more familiar with something called a CPA designation for accountants. This is kind of like the highest equivalent designation that I can personally receive for, for my field. I'm 35 years old, and I've been an advisor, though, for 14 years now. So basically, my entire adult life has been uh, uh, dedicated to being an advisor, and I run the wealth management firm now that I'm associated with, New Horizons Wealth Management. I also have a podcast, as you mentioned, trying to help young families with their money. It's called Enjoy More 30s Family Finance. So this is kind of you know my professional passion. This is what I do all the time. And I've guested on a number of other podcasts as well to help spread that message. So it's something I'm definitely very passionate about. A few over in the UK, a number of other, of other ones here in the US. Uh, personally, I'm married to my just awesome social media wife, Lauren. She was a teacher. She loved this thing called competitive cheerleading and so created her own job to be home with the kids during the day and do what she you know, loves in the evenings, which is a big part of why I talk so much about money mindset. And it's a focus that we're going to go through tonight. I have uh, two kids, Avery, who's now five, and Noah, who just turned two. So as you know, similar to any other parents out there, we have our hands full. So uh, yeah, I mean, the goal for today is it's really been a tough 18 months. Like you said, Jade, it's, it's been a very quick year, uh, 2021. We're already going into 2022 here. And across the world, it's been a little bit difficult as we look back here. So what we're trying to do tonight, tonight is uh, you know, help you make this holiday season just a little bit better in some way get you into 2022 on that right foot, and then you have some great momentum going forward into the new year. So uh, how does that sound to you, Jade? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really excited, Joe, for this. So just to give you guys a quick intro into what we'll be discussing, uh, so we're gonna look at money mindset, uh, holiday challenges, and how the corporations target us, discussing what actually makes a good holiday season, uh, some goals and mindset tips and tricks to see us into the new year. And then, as I said, we'll finish with some questions. So, Joe, when we spoke last time, you shared some great insights on money mindset and how you came to realize that we all have one, even if we're not aware of it. So for any new listeners, can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, I, I can't believe that was already a month ago, Jade, that we went through all that. That was really a, a fun event that we did and um, it was called How to Excel in Your Financial Mindset. And like you said, we went through a lot of those concepts that people need to kind of hear sometimes to help them better understand where they are now from a money mindset standpoint. Because once you know kind of how you got here, acknowledge that everybody does have a money mindset, whether they were intentional about it or not. Now you have that awareness, you have that opportunity to not only proactively change your financial mindset if you want to, but really excel in it as well. So kind of the, the really quick recap for people that are interested in that is, again, you know, we, we have a money mindset despite really no one teaching it to us in school. And it's something that, that a lot of people out there are lacking. I mean, when you think about what they teach you in school, it might be algebra, it might be Shakespeare, but you know, those are, tend not to be things that you use so much in your working life. Like everybody in school, no matter who I talk to here or abroad, they all say the same thing, that financial literacy wasn't really one of the, the core frameworks of their education. And you know, we're all going to get jobs. We're all going to have money. We all have to do something with that money and make good decisions to help us get to the places where we want to be in our life. So you know, the education part of it is something that's really lacking. And I didn't, I didn't really acknowledge that or I didn't realize that that was true until I got into my working years. As I said, I've been doing this for 14 years, so it's really all I know. And so those same tools, those same cash flow, investment, insurance, things that I was using and applying to our clients at the firm 
I just naturally used for myself. And when I stopped to pause and kind of look around at my peers and my family and my friends and people that you know were, were my age even, that had really no idea of what they should be or should not be doing. They were kind of just checking off boxes that sounded like things that most people kind of talk about. And so that's when I came to realize that more needs to be done, more needs to be said out there publicly so people can be more aware of this kind of uh, insufficiency that so many of us come across and kind of change our mindset to really look at money as a tool, a tool that can help us make as life you know, as enjoyable as possible as we wanted to make it you know, that healthier kind of mindset that you have makes you able to do better things when it comes to money and the habits that you have. So when we transition to, to holidays today and the focus of today's talk, holidays really tend to kind of exasperate whatever our existing money mindset is. If we really love spending, we really, really, really love spending when it comes to holidays and Christmas and everything else. If we hate spending, all these things now we're supposed to spend money on, going out with, you know, friends to, to holiday lunches, buying presents, we hate spending, we probably get extra uncomfortable during the holidays. If we you know, love saving, every deal seems fantastic that we want to take advantage of it. So what we've seen is kind of holidays tend to accentuate these money mindsets. So you know, let's be aware that we have them and be aware that there could probably be even more at play when we come to talking about the holidays. Mm, yeah, no, that's great. Out of interest, Joe, which uh, holiday spending archetype would you say you fall into? Oh, that's a good question. So I would say it's kind of changed over time. When I first got out of uh, school and I was paying back loans and everything like that, spending made me very uncomfortable. I, I shared a story um, uh, last time that we spoke about how now I don't have anxiety with money because I have a plan and I can kind of see where I'm going. And so that gives me relief to go ahead and spend that extra money that may not be necessarily tied to some of the things that, uh, that I have set up for goals and otherwise. And when I bought my first big screen TV, I like I was sick for a whole week. I almost returned it three times. So it, spending made me very uncomfortable at the time. But now, you know, I, I tend to be more uh, uh, ha have more of a mindset that allows me to to spend where it's appropriate and spend in a way for certain people. And a lot of this we're going to talk about today. Spend in a way that that frees up uh, to not have a, that anxiety and just enjoy it when it is a good fit. Yeah, I love that story. And I think it's really important to note that even yourself as a financial professional, before working on your own money mindset, you too went through the anxieties of spending and saving and the uncertainty that comes with it. Um, so big corporations, like they know what they're doing this time of year. I have to make sure I'm unsubscribed from all of the mailing lists ahead of time or they get me. They really do get me. So what are some of the financial mindset challenges people face and how can we be mentally yeah, that's, I mean, like you said, they, they, they know that you're coming. They know that this time of year is important. Um, you said, like, take yourself off all the lists. I already, you know, I think I bought one Christmas wreath last year uh, from a magazine that came to my house. And I have like 87 magazines from, this, from them this year already. So, I mean, they know how important this time of year is. Their dependence on us this time of year is huge. So on average, from what I've seen, it might be 20% of their annual sales are from the holiday season, and certain industri industries can be as high as maybe 30% or more. So they have whole teams of very highly paid experts trying to you know, figure out how best to do that, how best to reach us. You know, Every commercial, every social media targeted ad that you see as you're scrolling through your social media, like I said, the magazines that you didn't ask to be sent to your house that are sent to your house. 
they, they really know you better than, than you, know, you know yourself. It's kind of scary sometimes. They know that you love a deal. They know that you have a, a fear of missing out, um, you know, that you may be looking for an escape. I mean, COVID uh, was, it was a great example of how everybody exploded with online shopping, not just because it was a necessity, not just because we were afraid necessarily, but we also needed something to do. And, and shopping is fun. Buying something is fun. It gives you a little bit of that high. And you know, seeing it come in the in the uh, in the mail and getting to open it up, they know that we in, enjoy it. They know there's a psychological element to it. So, you know, when we talk about our money mindsets, being aware of kind of how we may be programmed as of today, and be aware that they are, they know that too, and they're planning on that being true this year and every year, can really help us uh, give us a little bit more of a fighting chance when it comes to awareness as we move forward forward with some of these other steps that we're going to talk about. Mm, yeah, no, all great points. And um, this is this is just hearsay and speculation, but apparently a lot of the Black Friday deals, um, you know, it's all psychological warfare anyway. They're not really deals. They're just they're just preying on uh, you know inflated prices and things like that. So, what are some other tips besides unsubscribing from mailing lists people can can adopt to to prevent being sucked into these these faux deals? You know, the, the faux deals are, are hard. I think one of the things that you have to realize is that they're going to get you one way or another. Um, so you certainly don't want to, you know, uh, go in there willy nilly and, and definitely get overly taken advantage of. But like you said, they, you know, they know that if they price something at $75 um, versus if they price something at $100 and put a big red X through it and then put 75 below, you know, that looks a lot more attractive. I feel like I'm saving 25%. So I don't, I'm not sure of any overly specific uh, avoidance kind of a thing. I would say making a, a list, some of the stuff that we're going to get to with goal setting really helps. And so that takes the pressure off trying to find the best deal. Like they're definitely going to, to make money uh, on the season. So let's just try to be smart about how we're going about it, how we're managing our emotional side of it. And probably I would say not get too caught up into you know, trying to just get the best deal for the sake of feeling great about it, that, that tends to get people into trouble more times than it helps. Yeah, great advice, Joe. To anyone who's just joined, we're chatting with Joe Oakley, financial advisor and podcaster, discussing holiday cheer at a financial new year. If you'd like to ask Joe a question, please use the button in the bottom right-hand corner where you can join a queue to ask your question, or you can DM it to me directly and I'll read it out for you. Okay, so uh, something interesting you mentioned earlier to me, Joe, is how people subconsciously create a list of expectations for the holiday season which aren't necessarily aligned with what would truly make their holidays enjoyable so what exactly did you mean by this yeah so i i think that it really goes to kind of the trying to do everything trying to do too much kind of a thing um i mean there for me i, I have a very uh, light december from a meeting with client standpoint because you know after thanksgiving people don't really want to talk about finances here they want to they want to enjoy family they want to enjoy friends they want to go out and do the things that they want to do which is, it's fantastic, but it's important to realize, like you said, that you, subconsciously we're creating these lists of expectations when it comes to the holidays. So let's stop and maybe think more about what would actually make our holiday enjoyable can really go a long way and what is really just causing stress. So the, the mindset, uh, shifting it off of needing to check off all the holiday boxes, so to speak, and you know, trying to make everybody else happy, and just let's focus on the things that that make me happy, and take it a little bit more as it goes. So, 
my kind of personal story to this would be when uh, before we had kids, my wife and I, Lauren, we went down to Disney World. We're, we're huge Disney fans. Um, and so we wanted to go actually before kids, which for anybody out there who has never considered that, it's phenomenal. It's so much better when you don't have to go back and take a nap or worry about your kid throwing up in the stroller. It's, it's a lot of fun to just go down by yourself. And so we're, we're down in Disney and I created this whole kind of subconscious list for all the things that I wanted to get done that day. You don't get to go to Disney all the time. So, you know, I wanted to fully take advantage of every ride, every, every attraction, every experience. And so we go through, we're, we're trudging through, we get to the end of the day and I only completed, let's say, you know, 70% of the things that I wanted to do. And I'm leaving the park kind of like in a bad mood. And, and Lauren just looks at me and she's like, what is the matter with you? You know, we are in Disney World. We're having a great time. So you didn't complete, you know, 30% of the things. We still did 70% of it. We're still in Disney World. We're still having an awesome time. Like you can't be sad in Disney World. There's no reason to even come if that's, if that's what you're doing. And it just made like uh, such an impact on me. It really opened my eyes. To, like, what am I doing? Like, I am in Disney. I should just be, you know, happy that I'm here and enjoying everything as it comes. And, you know, the goal of Disney is not to check off all the subconscious boxes. The goal in Disney is to be a kid and enjoy every minute along the way. So, you know, I really relate that a lot to the holiday season, doing kind of that same thing. We can get caught up kind of subconsciously and, you know, we get to the January, oh, we didn't get to do this. We didn't get to do that. And focusing on those negative things that we didn't do as, as opposed to focusing on all the great things that we did do. So one thing that I, I always love doing our visualization exercises kind of off of this. So what I'd like everybody to do out there, if, if you have a pen and pencil, great. If not, just, you know, visually uh, going through it on your, in your head, think about, you know, what you would love to have happen this holiday season. And more specifically say like, picture yourself in January of 2022 and we're sitting there and we're looking back on this holiday season that just passed. So what would have to have it happened for you to say that you had a wonderful holiday season? So what are the things that would come to your mind if I'm having a conversation with you or just one-on-one -on -one, sitting in a couple of chairs and asking you, oh, you know, what happened? You, you told me you had a wonderful holiday season. What, what happened over that holiday season to make it so wonderful? And I would expect, as you're writing some of this stuff down, I would expect that most of your answers are going to go around family and friends and experiences. So the things that I would write down for myself would be things like going to my daughter Avery's holiday uh, sing-along that she's going to have. She's memorizing uh, Christmas songs right now to sing. Uh, being able to do Christmas Eve cookie making contests with my in-laws. They, you know, every year that's what we do on, on uh, Christmas Eve, getting to spend Christmas day with, with my family and going through, uh, you know, all of our traditions on the day of that we do on my side of the, uh, my side of the family. So there's a number of things like that, that would jump to my mind. Those are the things that I would say would have to have happened for me to have a wonderful holiday season this year. And so when you're creating this, this list, when you're going through these different items, this is starting to kind of get you into the motion of saying, okay, here are the things that are most important to me and it allows you to start kind of releasing maybe some of that other stuff. Uh, in addition, kind of, if you look at the, the flip side of it, another great question, it's the same question, just worded a different way. What would an unsatisfying holiday season actually look like? And for that, you know, common answers would be, you know, not seeing family and friends or being able to do those holiday traditions, 
maybe for some people going into the new year with credit card debt, like they, they may do many times and, and not really appreciate it once January comes around. But again, it's not consumerism. And last year with COVID, it gave us such a great example of, you know, what are the things that you really, really miss doing last year with COVID? Those are probably the things that would make this holiday season extra wonderful. So, you know, that's, that's the exercise that I would start with as people hopefully are, are going through that mentally or writing it down. Um, how does any of that connect with you, Jade? Uh, well, firstly, I've never heard of a cookie making competition on Christmas Eve, and I think I'll be Ooh, adding that on my own yes. list. Uh, <laughs> who, who, who makes the best cookies in your family? Uh, it's not us. So when, uh, <laughs> when I first was uh, dating my wife and I would go on Christmas Eve to her family's cookie making contest, I was always a judge at first. And I'm a, I'm a very competitive person. And I was like, I don't want to be a judge. I want to be a participant. And so as the years have gone on and things have changed a little bit, over the last three or four years, I've been a participant with my wife. And we've come in either last or second to last every time. So it's been really a huge disappointment. But I still highly recommend the activity. It's still a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Actually, what I would love for everyone listening is if you have your own holiday rituals or games or competitions, please do message them so I can share them out with everyone because a lot of people are stuck in that consumerism mindset and uh, sharing out these ideas may be a great way to, to get those holiday juices flowing of things that, that we can do that don't cost money and that do center around family and friends and, and those types of experiences. I think that would be great. Um, yeah, absolutely. Always looking for new things to do around Christmas. Yeah, definitely. So what are some practical things then, building on what you've just said, that people can do to make sure they're aligned with what they truly want over the holidays? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So when we go back to that, that list that hopefully everybody has been creating and you start organizing that list, what I'd like you to do is if you make two separate columns, you might have a lot of stuff that you would like to do that would make Christmas wonderful. But what I would say to start with is to put half of the stuff in, in one column and put you know the first half being the things that are really, really important, like the, the must-have things. So for me, it's, you know, hearing my daughter sing for the Christmas Eve uh, cookie contest, those kinds of things would go in that column for me. The other column of, for some of the stuff that you may have written down are the, this would re really be nice if kind of column. So it'd really be nice if I got to take my kids to a Christmas like on ice show. It'd be really nice if we got to, you know, go do a, a, a workshop with, with Santa and, you know, made a craft or something like that. There's all these little events that they have for kids. So making this list first and just getting into the things that matter the most and then the things that it would be nice if helps you at least, again, start, start separating some of that kind of stuff out. And the new one that I actually have for this year that, that uh, I have not done in the past is my grandmother is in her 90s now. She will not let us know her age because then she fears we will look at her as old. But uh, she, she is in her 90s. My grandfather has passed away. And one of the things that they always did together was go to the mall by their, by their house. And every year this mall is you know, decorated for Christmas and holidays with garland and Christmas trees everywhere. And so this year, I haven't told her yet, but I'm going to take her to the mall. She's in a wheelchair. She can't get out on her own. But that's one of the things that I know if Janu when January comes, if I look back and say, hey, I got to take Grandma Kay to Short Hills Mall and go through all the beautiful Christmas trees and decorations, that's something that is going to make me feel so good and something that I know that will make her feel so good. 
and something I'll just remember forever. So that's an easy one to throw in that first column. So you know, that's, that's a, a, a part of what I go through when I get to the holiday seasons and how it also helps from you know, those things that you may not have on your list that people are asking you to do is you don't have to feel as bad about declining their invites either because you know now if those aren't on your list, those would not make your holiday season great. They might be nice, they might not be nice, might not be things that you wanna do at all, and so it helps me also separate the things out that I really don't want to do. If that thing is, was something that I was really excited about, if that was something that I really, really wanted to do, then you know, it would already be on my list. And so when I talk about you know, somebody inviting me out to, to eat with a couple of friends or something like that, that you know, they might be okay friends, but not anybody that I necessarily need to go out with, easy holiday excuses. You know, you know, I already have my holiday season planned out. Tonight I'm watching, you know, The Grinch or whatever the movie might be. And, you know, it's a very easy for me to separate out from that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jade. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I really love that. Um, it's, you know, similar to how if people do want to shop on Black Friday or, or when the sale's happening, you know, writing that list ahead of time really keeps you on the straight and narrow. But I never considered doing that for social events as well. And I think that's a really great way to approach it because you're not uh, – you're not declining invitations uh, left, right and center. You're just sticking to your plan and drawing your Christmas financial boundaries. So I really like that. Um, but I do have to ask, how do you gracefully turn down all the invitations that come in over the holidays? I mean, for, for me, anybody that has kids, uh, kids are a great excuse. <laughs> so <laughs> kids are, are really a great go to when it when it comes to to excuses. Um, about, you know, wanting to, to spend time with the kids or doing, you know, a holiday movie or something like that with them that night. That, that's always something that, uh, that for parents, at least, is, is always in your back pocket. For people that, you know, are, are not in that situation and trying to kind of, you know, gracefully decline kind of a thing, you know, you may hurt some feelings uh, along the way a little bit, but at the end of the day, just rest on the fact that you know this isn't on your list. You know this is not something that would really make your holiday season wonderful. So if it's really just adding stress and anxiety to you, then, you know, you may not have kids in ex as an excuse, but there's plenty of other good excuses out there as well. So I would encourage people not to spend time doing things that they really don't enjoy in life in general, uh, but certainly around the holidays when there are so many things to do that you actually would enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. And just on the topic of mindset and gifts, something I've started doing, Joe, uh, I wonder what your professional opinion of this is, is when I make uh, direct debits to my savings or my investments, I actually title it uh, a gift to myself, a gift of future Jade. And then it actually feels like I'm treating myself as opposed to it being a chore. Um, so perhaps that's something people could employ as well, um, because now it's made investing and saving really fun for me uh, as a is something I have to do. Uh, so for anyone who has just joined us, we are speaking to Joe Oakley, financial advisor and podcaster about holiday cheer and financial new year. If anyone has any questions, please do use the button in the bottom right hand corner or you can direct message your questions to me and I will read them out. Okay, so Joe, you mentioned that some of your clients use uh, techniques like money blocking or using tax returns and bonuses to help um, with an anxiety-free holiday season. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of, of time blocking, of money blocking, 
And basically those are just terms to say kind of being more intentional with your time, being more intentional with, with your money at a time kind of separate, you know, ahead of time, advanced planning so that you don't get tied up in the emotions of the moment. So, you know, for Christmas, it's, it's very easy. You know, when you're talking about presidents, you know, that tends to be one of the things that if you asked 100 people what stresses you out most about Christmas and the holiday season, it's, you know, having to buy presents for, for everybody. And so if you block out some time to do this all at once, especially if you're an online shopper kind of a person, what I do is I make a list of all the people that I need to buy presents for. So mom, sisters, wife, kids, coworkers, anybody that's on my list. And then I set time, I time block. So I set aside hour, two hours of time to go through all of those people. And it helps me do a couple things. One, it helps me get my list done much earlier, which is always great because then I don't have to worry about uh, last minute Christmas shopping. There's always going to be some degree of that, but it doesn't have to be on the forefront of my mind. Like I don't have any gifts for, you know, that guy. And so once I have my list and I start going through it, it also really helps me financially. Because as I go through, I can see what I'm spending on each individual person, and I'm noting that as I go. So I'm not I'm checking off the box of, hey, I bought a present for my sister, Kristen, but I'm also writing down how much, and so I can better track kind of what's going on with my spending. When you just kind of have this loose mental list and you wander into the store, that's what they want. They want you to be kind of in just a, a, a window shopping kind of mood where they can hit you with all the deals and the markdowns. And, you know, you buy some stuff and then you realize you get home, you're like, I probably bought way too much for this person. I probably didn't get enough for that person. If you're more intentional with it and you handle more of it, at, you know, a time blocked kind of a metric. Now you can make sure you get everybody done more ahead of time. You can see better what you're spending on each individual person. And then you can just buy, you know, cross buying presents off of your list. And you don't have to worry as much about like the deal or, you know, uh, you know, as you walk into the store and thinking like, oh, that, that might be good for so-and-so, you know, once I have my list done, I don't really pay as much attention to the deals or the markdowns or anything else because like, I know I have Kristen's gift. I know I have Lauren's gift. I know I have Avery's gift. I know that I have these. And so that's kind of like a little bit of a protective shield that, that, uh, that I wear is kind of a, a little bit of armor when I'm going to the stores later in the season because I know my shopping is already, you know, already done. So when I'm using that time blocking kind of a thing, that's how I help. Uh, I apply that to my to my list of, of shopping for people during the holidays. As far as a, a money blocking time uh, piece of it goes, um, when you get a bonus, like Jade kind of said, I've talked about before, I'm a big proponent of like you get a bonus, you get a piece of your paycheck to do something with an intentional. So like if you love massages every bonus that you get, you know, if you get a bonus once a year, set aside enough to buy four massages. And now every quarter you can have one massage kind of guilt-free, anxiety-free because you already set that money aside for yourself. You already bought that gift card. You don't have to worry about trying to fit it into your budget, which is great, you know, around the holidays too, because if you're already spending a lot of money around the holidays and you really need the massage because you're all stressed out, you may not want to buy it. But if you're blocking it out ahead of time, now you don't have to feel guilty about that kind of a thing. And, you know, for every holiday season, people want to do really nice things. People want to do uh, special events. You could use money blocking the same way. Like every year I'm going to set aside, you know, $1,000 for my bonus, and I'm going to use that to do a special holiday event. And you, again, you don't have to feel guilty about it now because you set it aside for you for that experience. So I would highly recommend time blocking and money blocking uh, as a whole. But those are some ways that I use those two concepts specifically for the holiday time.
Yeah, that's great. I like the idea of planning in advance so that you can spend guilt-free over the holidays. And in that vein, you said earlier that you've never heard of anyone not retiring due to Christmas. Uh, so I'm just curious what you meant by that. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a financial advisor. And so obviously, wanting to deal with money in an intelligent way is, is important. It's something that I'm you know, paid to help people do. But I think it's also important for people to remember that uh, the holidays tend not to, you know, make or break people. So we don't want to spend frivolously. We don't want to spend irresponsibly. But at the same time, we don't want to stress ourselves out too much about, you know, about our spending. Like we, we are going to spend more during the holidays. That's why 20 to 30 percent of company sales come from the holiday season. So while we want to be intelligent about it, while we want to be smart about it, like if, if I was trying to say, you know, spend as little as possible, then my list would be like, you know, try to spend only $15 a person and just make it look really nice and get away with it kind of a thing. You know, we want, it, it feels good to buy for other people. It feels good to spend. I'm not saying not to do that at all. And so when I go about like the, a phrase of Christmas, never had anybody not retire. Like if you, if you have like my, my little girl, if I see something that she absolutely is going to love two days before Christmas, quite honestly, I'm going to buy it for her. And that extra 50 bucks or hundred bucks that's not going to make or break my retirement. That's not going to make or break any you know, mother or father's retirement out there. So we still want to make sure that we're enjoying the holidays. We're not trying to only save. We're not trying to only spend. You know, We always want to go somewhere in the middle of that where we're spending in, an, in a way that we're comfortable with, that's anxiety-free, and you know, not necessarily you know, leaving ourselves with a bunch of debt come January, but somewhere in that, in that happy medium, not to go too far the other way as well, where we're just, you know, creating our anxiety and worry for ourselves because we're trying not to spend anything either. Okay. So with your financial advisor hat on then, what percentage over one's Christmas budget would you say? Mm, that, that's probably. I would say if you could pay it off by the end of January, then that's probably okay. That would be kind of my opinion. On okay. It. Are you the shopper for Christmas gifts or is that your wife? My wife definitely takes the, the lead with it. We, we have a, a joint, uh, okay, let's see everything we have. What do you think? You know, is this matching up with that? And, uh, you know, so we, we go through it jointly, but I definitely have to give my wife the credit as the person that takes the lead and in, in getting the ball very far down the hill before I jump in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, okay, Christmas is out of the way now and we have that weird six-day limbo period before the new year where I think most of us are starting to evaluate our lives and the year to come uh, in between eating Pringles and leftover chocolate for breakfast or maybe that's just me. Uh, how can people set themselves up for a financially solid 2020? Yeah, that, that's definitely not you, just you, Jade. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for, for the new year, I mean, goals are a big thing and goals are, are really, really powerful. So we start thinking about our goals. We start thinking about the things that we want to change, the things that we want to accomplish for the year to come. And, you know, what I want to spend an initial point on here is talk, kind of talking about what goals are and what they aren't. And because for me, I spent most of my life kind of afraid of setting goals because I was afraid of not reaching those goals. I was afraid of failing when it came to those goals, so to speak. And when I first got to my current job here, um, Bob, my, my founder of the firm, he's a very big goals person. And so he told me like, okay, we're going to meet. You're going to tell me your short-term goals. You're going to tell me your long-term goals, both business and professional. 
And I was really worried about going into that meeting because I was debating with myself, should I be making goals that are really easy so I can achieve them? And then I look good in front of Bob, but maybe he'll notice that I'm making really easy goals. Maybe I should make them harder, but now what if I don't reach them? And now I'm going to look like a fool in front of the founder of the company. And so I, I had a, a big struggle with goals and it took me a couple of years to realize that it's not about necessarily accomplishing all of your goals. It's about getting farther than you would have gotten if you didn't set them at all to begin with. And so when I, when you go out there and look and you look at these like goal gurus and you talk to them and you, you hear what they have to say, most of them have like a 50 or 60 you know, percent success rate when it comes to the goals that they set for themselves in any one year. So they're not accomplishing, you know, 100% goal achievement. They're not being limited by the fact that they may fail. They know they're going to fail. They know they are not going to check off every box on their goal sheet. And so for me, it was just so freeing to, to kind of come to that conclusion, to come to that realization that goal setting is not a means for making us feel badly about ourselves. Goal setting is a means for helping us achieve things more quickly than we otherwise would have if we didn't set those goals. So that's really, really powerful. I mean, the goals that I set for myself for this year, because now I'm, I'm a big goal guy, uh, the goals that I set for myself this year, I have some that, are, uh, that I've accomplished and I have some that I haven't. So, you know, uh, reading 12 books this year, I accomplished that goal. That's the first time I've ever done that. Visiting five new places in one new state, I have not accomplished that this year. I visited two new places, but those two places that I did visit are probably places that I would not have visited if my goal was not to try to visit more new places. So, you know, what I would tell everybody now is if you have that same sheet of paper or you go back into your mind uh, for, for, uh, for kind of adding on to this visualization kind of piece, you know, adjust it to instead of thinking about, okay, I'm sitting in January of 2022, looking back over the holidays. Let's fast forward all the way to January of 2023. And you can do this, you know, a little bit after the holidays if you want, but, but do this exercise. Again, ask yourself, you know, what would have had to have happened over 2022 for you to say, I had a successful 2022. So you want to write them out. You know, one of the great exercises that I was taught through a program, a coaching program that I do, Strategic Coach, which is really fantastic for any other entrepreneurs out there is to first think about something, then write it out, then share it with somebody else, and then you can go out and do it. And that gives you the best chance of success. So every quarter, you know, my goal buddy is the founder of the company, Bob. We go through, we go through our goals together. But you know, I think about my goals, I write my goals down, I share them every quarter with Bob to keep them kind of front of mind. And then that gives me a better chance to kind of go out and do that. So that would be kind of the, the initial thing that I wanted to touch on with, with goals. Jay, do you have any uh, reflections on that or anything to add when it comes to that piece of it? Mm, yeah, I, I like the idea of you sharing it with Bob. Um, is that for accountability or is it, is it just purely uh, transparency? What's the motivation? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you share it with somebody else, just saying something out loud, I, I think is so powerful. So my goals, I have them written down and they're on the, the board behind my laptop. So I have like a, uh, you know, a pin board behind my laptop. So I have my goals up there. So they, I see them and then it just keeps them in the front, you know, front part of your consciousness. You, you're aware that they're out there. And again, for me now, I'm not, you know, if I, if I complete only 10% of my goals, 
I'm okay with that. Like I've completed 10% more than I otherwise would have if I had not made my goal list. So it's, it's not anymore about reminding me of failure. It's just keeping me, uh, keeping that front of mind. And when I discuss it openly with somebody else, it's just working kind of a different part of your brain. If you say something, you know, out loud, kind of like, I, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, you know, there's a better chance that you can actually do it then. So yeah, I think it's a very big part of the process. And I would say for anybody out there that is open to this, to, to find a quarterly goal buddy and say, say what's going on out loud because it can be a really powerful exercise. So what are some financial goals that people listening could adopt for the I mean, I think that really is what, uh, you know, what they want to accomplish. So like an easy one, let's say, is if you aren't saving any money towards yourself, I mean, I didn't comment on it before, Jade, but paying yourself first and giving yourself presents, like that's taking it to a, to a whole nother level, which is fantastic. Uh, but if you're not paying anything to yourself right now, that's an easy financial goal to have, to, to start paying yourself something every month. You know, you pay the, the mortgage or the rent, you pay the utility company, you pay the grocery store, you work really hard for your money. You should pay yourself a little bit of that money every month. And if you're already doing it, you know, pay yourself a little bit more. Give yourself a 10% raise for what you pay yourself. If you're saving you know, 10% of your paycheck, save 11%. It may be hard the first month or two, and then after that, you probably won't even notice that it's gone. So, you know, look at especially what you get with raises too, because that can you know be where people uh, can miss opportunities. You know, if you're getting if you get a five percent raise, you should be consciously saving you know all five percent or at least a portion of it for sure towards yourself again, because now if you're saving ten percent towards yourself and you get a raise and you don't increase what you're saving, well, now you've decided to pay yourself a lower percentage of what you're now earning. So really, you know, one of the best financial goals is to treat yourself well, give yourself, uh, pay yourself first, or as you said, Jade, give yourself gifts every month. I love that, Joe. And you know what? I'm going to give myself a raise. I deserve it. <laughs> you deserve it. You worked hard this year, Jade. You, you got you to gotta reward yourself there. Um, and so same question for any of our listeners who may be more experienced investors or who may be a bit further on in their financial journeys, what are some financial goals that they could possibly? I mean, it's really what's most important to, to them. So the job of an advisor is not to just get you to save as much as you can save or, or, you know, help you retire early. I have clients that don't really want to, to retire early. So you know, it's about knowing where, what direction you're on. So let's say you are farther along, you have assets that are built up. If you want to give yourself a gift, spend some time either by yourself or working with a professional to see what path you're on right now. Okay, you have, you know, $200,000 saved up into your 401k. Where, what path does that put you on? Give yourself some, some more clarity. It, it's great to see that number on a piece of paper that you get every, every quarter from your 401k company but really look into kind of where that puts you. Maybe you can retire earlier if you want, if that's a goal that you have. Maybe, um, you know, maybe this allows you to change jobs into something else that you really feel more passionate about, allow you to do, spend more of your time doing something that you love. So I'd say people that are further along, if you don't have real good clarity on what further along means, what you have right now translates into, what road you've built and where it's leading right now, then give that to yourself as a present for, for next year as a, as a goal to figure out kind of exactly more where you're going. And that'll free you up to make better decisions about everything else, whether it's retiring early, whether it's changing careers, 
whether it's doing more time with, with charitable kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think the wealthiest people out there are the people that can afford to do the things that they love more and can afford to not do the things that they really don't enjoy more as well. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So what you're saying is to reverse engineer the, the lifestyle that you want um, and don't save and invest for the sake of it. Put, put your money to work, basically. Put your money to work and, and yeah, and, and take a look at, at what direction that is that's going into. I mean, if you have, uh, you know, there's a rule of 72 that that's pretty easy to kind of give people an idea of. So that says, you know, if you if you're well spread out and diversified and a, let's say a 7% return is a, is a reasonable long term uh, return for how you're set up, then every 10 years that should double. So if you have $200,000 right now, that means that 10 years from now, that should be 400,000. And 10 years later from that, it should be 800,000 because it would double again. So that's a really easy way to kind of start giving yourself an idea of what direction you're going in. And just that clarity is what is what opens you up. I mean, if you're able to kind of know how much longer the, the racetrack is of where you're trying to get to, then, uh, you know, you know how fast you have to run, how hard you have to push yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for anyone who's just joined us, we're chatting with Joe Oakley. Joe is teaching us how to have holiday cheer in a financial new year with tips and tricks and mindset uh, advice as well. If you guys have any questions, please use the button in the bottom right-hand corner or you can direct message your questions to me and I'll read them out for you. So, Joe, the last 15 minutes then, um, I know you have a few more financial mindset tips and tricks to share with us. So what are they? Yeah, so th there are certain things that I do, habits, rituals, kind of things that, that really help me out. Not, not to be perfect again, I mean, just like the goal exercise, but better than I'd otherwise be if I didn't do that. So, you know, when we went through the whole financial mindset and how to excel in your financial mindset, um, yeah, that, that was a really great start for people that are looking to get more information on that. Um, I will be having that added to my, my podcast this upcoming Monday. Um, so that's, again, the Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast. So for people that missed that, you'll have that for the full list of everything. But just some really quick things to go through today. Um, habits, I think, sometimes can be scary for people. It's hard to break a habit, but it's, it's also not too hard to make a new good habit. So habits aren't necessarily uh, bad or good. They can be either way. And so there's a, a habit rule that I've come across called the 2190 rule. It takes 21 days to make a habit and 90 days for that to be a permanent lifestyle change. So it's not, you know, three weeks to get that habit made and 90 days to cement it more or less. That's something that's really not too, too difficult for, you know, if there's something that you really want to do, just focus on that, that 2190 rule and you can make one thing a permanent lifestyle change for 2022. And to me, that, that's really powerful that, that uh, it, it doesn't take that long to really make something that's a, a permanent positive change, a person. Uh, permanent positive habit uh, that's new in your life for the new year. Um, again, I talked about already hanging up your goal list uh, visibly. That's another thing that I always write down because, you know, all this time that we're spending working for these, this thing called money, money is just a, a tool. You know, it's really important to remember. It's not the goal in of itself. So, you know, we're not working so hard just to have that big number on a piece of paper. We're working that hard to have those experiences in life that, that make us happy. You know, everything on my goal list that I have, not one of those things is make lots of money. 
Not one of those things is have a certain number on a piece of paper. It's, you know, going to new places on vacations. It's, um, you know, it's uh, going to, it's planning a trip to, to Disney World with my kids. It's, uh, you know, reading lots of, uh, reading 12 books for this last year. So money might be involved in it. Certainly I need money to take my kids to Disney World, but the end goal is not the money. The end goal is Disney World. So that's a really important thing, I think, to try to always keep in the top of your mind. And for me, having that visual goal success list visibly is really a big part of that for me. Um, let's see, we already talked about paying yourself first. That's always a really big one. The, the general number that I give for people for that is a minimum of 10% uh, to pay yourself. I mean, you work hard for it again, so you know you deserve it. Make sure to give yourself at least 10% of what you work so hard to earn. So if you, you know, have a $100,000 salary, you want to be paying yourself at least $10,000 a year. So give yourself those presents, $10,000 worth per year. And then the last thing we've kind of touched on already as well, uh, Jay, you know, money blocking to, to relieve that anxiety, to increase those experiences. And the holidays are really a great time to take advantage of that. Yeah, those are some really great tips, Jay. Thank you for that. We've had a great question come in from Stacy. She says, let's say you were never taught how to be financially responsible and not live payday to payday. Is it ever too late to learn? And if not, where do you start and how do you find someone to help you that isn't going to cost a fortune, making your situation even worse? That's a great question, Stacey. Thank you. Yeah, that is fantastic. So it, it is not too late. So I've had a, a number of clients that they came to me originally and they came to me with credit card debt. And so, you know, maybe it was 20000 30000 whatever it might be. And so the first thing, if that's where your starting point is, so if you're starting even, you're even better. But if you're even starting negative, it's not too late. So the first thing that we did is we looked at the credit cards. We organized them to see, okay, which one has the, you know, the highest interest rate? Let's try to pay those off first and work our way down the list. And you know, for, she was one of the, the first people I started to work with. And 14 years later, you know, she's worked herself out of, out of the credit card debt. It took a couple of years to do that, but she worked herself out of the credit card debt and then she started to put money away towards herself and save. So that same money that she could afford to pay down the credit card company, we now made sure that she didn't just you know, disperse that somewhere else, that she now started to pay herself back with that money. And so now she's actually on pace to retire at a normal retirement age, which in the U.S. is, is age 67. So it's, you know, it's never too late to, to start doing the right things, even if you're starting below negative. And I think the first step to do if you're, you know, we're never taught this, like Stacy asked, um, is to start looking for a way to pay yourself first. So I have a, an episode on my podcast uh, called 36%, um, the golden cash flow ratio, which I don't think we really have enough time to go through here. But the, the goal is really to, to start paying yourself first to some degree. And there are certain ratios that you could use to kind of get an idea of that. And that doesn't cost anything. I mean, the reason that, that Jade is here, the reason that I'm here, the reason that I do my podcast is just to try to get this information out to people. So there's definitely a lot of advisors out there that may not be wanting to work with you unless you have a million dollars. But there's also a lot of advisors that, that will. There's also a lot of good people out there that will try to help you get on the, on the right path if you give them the chance. And especially free resources like, you know, like my podcast. I'm not sure, Jade, if you have any other recommendations as far as resources go, but um, you know, try to find somebody. You only need to find one person that's willing to sit down and, and help you. And the goal, if you're just starting out, find some way to just pay yourself first and start growing the money that you, that you give to yourself every month. 
great advice, Joe. And I would add to that that Joe is right. Perhaps some financial advisors may not work with you, um, but oftentimes people will have a conversation with you. So it's always worth uh, calling them up, having a chat, going through your situation. Um, some will have a chat with you for free. Some may charge for their time by the hour. But every financial advisor works in, in different ways. So don't feel like you have to have a million dollars or a million pounds in the bank to have a conversation because there are plenty of people out there willing to help. Um, and I also want to add on to that, that just as you can get fit at, at 40 or at 60 or at 80, or you can learn a new hobby, uh, you can change career at any age, do treat your finances the same. It's never too late to learn. Um, and, and you can always get yourself on the right track. Um, so thanks for that question. Um, yeah. So, Joe, we've mentioned goals Um and you've mentioned visualization and vision boards and things like that. What about for our younger listeners who, who really don't know where their life is heading just yet and they, they don't know what to aim for? How can they make good financial decisions without yet being able to contextualize what it's leading? Yeah, I think that's a, a great point, a great question to bring up, Jade. Um, when you're starting out, when you're right out of college and you're just starting to work, some of the, the general advice that we tend to give to people that's most appropriate are to do things that will put you in a better position in the future, but still give you full flexibility for what that future may actually entail. So for example, you know, let's say that you just start out in a new company and you have an employer-sponsored plan, and in the US here, they do a matching percent. So you know, if you put in 4%, the, the company will put in 4% too. So that's free money. That's 100% growth on what you put in. You can't get any better than that. You can't get any better than free money. So that's an easy thing to just say, okay, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm not really sure if that's going to put me on track for retirement or not, but that's an easy thing that I can afford to do that's going to get me on, a, on some kind of a good path going forward. So that's kind of a longer term kind of a goal. And then for any additional amount that you have available to save, so let's say you're paying yourself 10%, 4% is going into the 401k, that other 6% can go into a general kind of investment account because you're saying basically, I don't know when I'm going to need this money exactly. It might be four, five, six, seven years from now. I'm not really even sure what I'm going to need it for. Maybe it's going to be for a wedding. Maybe it's going to be for a house. But that general kind of investment account, uh, we kind of referred to it at our, our firm as a buffer account. So it sits between kind of your bank money and your longer term retirement money. So it grows like an investment account grows, but you have full access to it, just like you have full access to your bank account. And so it's a way to kind of build up more money than you otherwise would have if you were just pouring it into your savings account that doesn't really earn anything, so that now you have a bigger lump sum of money five years, six years from now, most likely. So whether it's a wedding or a house or anything else, you have more to do something with once that vision does start to clarify itself. Great advice, Jay. Thank you for that. Um, so just the last couple of minutes then, uh, where can people listen to your podcast? Sure. Yeah. So any, uh, any podcast app that's out there, you know, um, you could find it at. So again, it's Enjoy More 30s uh, Family Finance, or you could just go directly to the website, www.enjoymore30s.com. That's great. And if, can people reach out to you directly for financial advice? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could find me in all the uh, the normal places. So uh, LinkedIn, um, 
You can email me directly uh, at uh, my full first and last name, J-O-S-E-P-H-O-K-A-L-Y at nhwmllc.com, New Horizons Wealth Management LLC.com. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty easy to find me these days. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So what is the one last nugget of information for the uh, holiday cheer and financial new year that you'd like our listeners to go away with? I think just try to, I mean, you saw what a COVID Christmas looked like last year, really make an effort to make this holiday season one that, that you enjoy. And again, it doesn't have to mean spend the most money, but again, you'll be intentional about what would make you the happiest this holiday season. What would have to happen when you're looking back in January to say, wow, that was a really great holiday. Focus on those things for the end of the year here to make sure that you get them done and have those experiences. And then for the new year, I really cannot highly enough recommend setting goals for yourself. Do not worry about if you don't accomplish them. If you, if you have one step farther than you would have otherwise taken for 2022 because you set up those goals, then to me, it's, it's definitely 100% worth it. So those would be the, the two lasting things that I would like people to take away with them tonight, Jade. Awesome. I don't think I asked you, what's one of your goals for next year? So one of my goals for next year is to actually go to five new places and one new state. So I didn't get to do that this year. Uh, Disney was also on our list for this year, but with all the stuff going on with COVID and otherwise, it just didn't work out for us this year. So that's definitely going over to, uh, to 2022. And then I have a couple of uh, other things that I'm working on. So down at, I live in a lake community. I put in one new wildflower garden by the lake this year, and I want to commission to get that up to three, four or five around the lake. So yeah, I'm working on my list, but I, I definitely have things brewing. That sounds amazing. I too would like to make it to Disney World, but it's a little bit more tricky for me. So um, if you go say hi to Mickey for me. Um, so <laughs> <Will do. laughs> I heard on your side of the world, there was a huge rivalry between pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie. So I think the most important question of the evening is which side are you on? Uh, that's that's very easy. It's clearly pumpkin pie. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's a controversial answer. Uh, I'll let you all decide on that one. But listen, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And thank you to everyone who tunes in to listen. Wishing you all the wonderful holiday season. And yeah, if you do want any further advice, please do reach out to Joe. I'm sure he'd be uh, more than happy to answer your questions. Thank you so much as well, Jade. You did a fantastic job joining today, and it's, it was always a pleasure. That's amazing. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your evenings. The conversations on this show are Joe's opinions and provided for general information purposes only. They do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice for your specific situation. You should always seek appropriate advice from a financial advisor, accountant, lawyer, or other professional before acting upon any content or information found here first. Joe is affiliated with New Horizons Wealth Management LLC, a branch office of TFS Securities Inc. and TFS Advisory Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC.